I recently saw a LinkedIn post that was a screenshot of somebody's folder of Microsoft Excel files for their 2023 budget. Kid you not, there were 15 versions of the 2023 budget Excel file, eight of which had final in the name, four had final-final, and three had final-final-updated. When it's a screenshot like this, it really surfaces how insane it is. But what is more insane is that I suspect all teams doing any type of financial planning and analysis in Excel, they have folders of Excel files that look just like this. If this is true for you or your team, stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Giraffe, later in the episode. So $10 billion business tax market. And what you just heard there is that TurboTax and TurboTax Live are getting into S Corp and partnership filings. That's huge because until now, last time I checked, which was just earlier this year, there has not been a good DIY option for business tax returns. And so if you own an S Corp, if you have an LLC, you need to file a partnership return, you've pretty much had to go to a pro. And now there's going to be a DIY option. And that I think could chip away at those returns that are being filed by pros. That could be a true competitive threat. I might do my S-Corp with it, frankly. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. This is episode 300. Wow. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And our special celebrity guest for this 300th episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is Hector Garcia. Hector, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. This is really, really cool. And I'm sure that most of our live attendees know who Hector is because we are streaming to Hector's very popular YouTube channel, which has over 200,000 subscribers. Uh, that is quite a lot. And, and you are a QuickBooks expert, Hector. You have uh, been a pro advisor for, for, is it decades now? Over tell a us decade. A little, <laughs> over a decade, yeah. Over a decade. So and he's got tell that us, fancy plaque. He's got his million, million uh, YouTube views plaque there on the wall. That's amazing. I'm going to make our own plaque, Blake, when we get a million downloads to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. <laughs> We're just going to make my, our own plaque for each other. Hector, uh, so you've been doing YouTube. You've been doing QuickBooks training uh, for a long time. You have your own practice uh, serving small business owners. And now you are getting into app development yourself. Tell us about that. First of all, congratulations on your 300th show. That's quite an achievement. I know it's a labor of love. I have a, over a thousand videos in my YouTube channel, which means thousands and thousands of hours of editing, because editing is the, the not so fun part of this piece. The recording is the fun part, editing, not so much. So, you know, kudos to you guys, because I know there's tons of work that goes behind having an end product that's high quality. And I think, David, I told you this 20, 30 episodes in, you guys have the best quality, best audio sounding podcast out there. And you told me how obsessed you guys were with the quality of audio, because that's what gets people to listen to it while they're running or walking or in 2X, because the better the quality, the easier it is to speed it up. And some people want to optimize, of course. So congrats on that. You guys have done a wonderful job. Uh, between the three, my three favorite podcasts, the Soul of Enterprise and the Cloud Accounting Podcast, I listen to them religiously every week. And it, it, it gives me my weekly fix for inspiration on why I love this industry, technology, and everything 
that we do. So kudos on that. So a bit about me. I, I quit my regular banking job in 2008, and I started a bookkeeping practice called QBK Accounting. And I've been very, very true, very loyal to Intuit, only working with QuickBooks products. I tried Zero, I tried NetSuite, I tried Soho, and they're all great. They all have their own thing. But I decided to marry the brand and the tool, and that has been for 15 plus years, what we use for our practice. I'm a huge lover of QuickBooks desktop. I still am, always will be. I really don't want to live in a post-QuickBooks desktop world, to be honest with you. But QBO is the future, is the present, is where everything is moving to. But I think that sometimes Intuit doesn't innovate fast enough. I want QuickBooks Online to do more and more and more and more. So we build a little app to make it do a little bit more. We can't compete with NetSuite yet, or we can't compete with QuickBooks Enterprise yet. But hopefully what we're trying to build with um, this app called Right Tool is increase, whether it's by nanoseconds, half a second, increase effectiveness of the power users so they fall in love with the tool more and more. So you're now building an app. So Blake's, Blake's built an app. You're building an app. We talk to lots of accountants all the time that are now building apps. But you're so so. This app is a standalone SaaS product. Uh, is it for my phone? Like, what are you, what are you what are you actually building? So the app is called Right Tool. It's a toolbar on the right side of the screen. So what we've done is we added all the power tools per se. These are the power tools that we think accounting professionals, pro users, experienced users need to quickly access certain parts of QuickBooks, and it's all on the right side of the screen. So that's why we call it right tool. And it's basically a bunch of shortcuts to quickly access different parts of QuickBooks Online. We added some keyboard shortcuts. So QuickBooks Online has about 10 built-in keyboard shortcuts. We added the rest of the keyboard. So every button in your keyboard can be a shortcut and get you somewhere in QuickBooks Online. We're very excited about that. Currently, it's a free tool. It's in public beta. And what's really cool, you guys are going to like this, it's not an API-based tool. So we're not manipulating the data in any way. But the really cool thing about it not being an API-based tool is that we don't need to have a per-company connection, which means we will never have a per-company fee. We're going to have a user fee at some point in the future when it goes, goes off beta. But it being a non-API tool, it doesn't have any server load in our side. So that means all the sort of computing happens happens on the browser of the user. So to answer your question, it's actually a Chrome extension. It's a Google Chrome extension. And it loads up when QuickBooks Online loads up. And it just saves you seconds every time it saves you're navigating you around. I promise you, yeah. I promise you, it will save you seconds. But, but thousands of times. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, great, uh, Hector. And send us the link to that. We'll include that in the show notes to this episode so anyone listening can go find it. And I'm also excited to have you on the show today because uh, last week, David and I ran out of time talking about Sweet World, and we didn't get to the big Intuit news. Intuit had their 2022 Investor Day, and David spent a bunch of time looking through the presentations and the deck for that, and there's some really interesting insights. So, David, shall we just jump straight ahead to App News and get into just into it? Yeah, we can jump right in. Over to you, David. What's so, what's what's uh, the big news? To be honest, I don't even know where to start. Right, it's 152 slides, but I think at a high level, like I've not seen a deck like this put out by anybody before, where pretty much there's no secrets. 
here's the market. Here's our space in the market. Here's what we're going to do to win. We could like start out with some like high level number stuff if you want. Um, yeah, so let's go. If you could follow along, you're in the deck right now. I am. And so, so our live stream viewers will be able to see what we're talking about. If you go to like slide uh, 13, so they, they basically are thinking about the total addressable market and they're viewing this whole entire thing as like a $312 billion global market. Wow. That, so, that's so, a lot of money. So that's how they're viewing the world, right? But then if you yeah. go to slide 14, they kind of break it down by each thing. Either it's payroll or QuickBooks Capital or banking, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, consumer personal finance or consumer banking or payments. And they break down all these different things. For example, um, marketing. So this would be like the MailChimp. That's a $28 billion uh, total addressable market. Into it is just a teeny little sliver of dark blue on there. So oh, they, yeah. So we've got these light blue lines, which represent the total market for that segment. And then there's the Intuit current revenue, which is like almost non-existent compared to what's possible. Exactly. Like they should have business tax that shows us a $10 billion addressable market. And there's not even a line for Intuit yet right. right? on that. And so in the grand scheme of things, Intuit, it definitely views themselves as we haven't won anything. We've just started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even accounting there's no uh, lines to show exactly where they're at right now. It's very, you have to sort of just eyeball it, but it kind of looks like they've got a few billion dollars of revenue in that area and they could go up to 27. I wanted to add that the reason why they see the market so big, it's also because they shifted away from being just an accounting and tax software company to being a sort of small business operating system company. So they now view banking as part of the industry. So they've opened up, you know, what they've seen, what the total market is. And banking is uh, lending products and, and uh, payment products and actual banking products like deposit, like having an actual virtual bank account. That's a thing. Quick, QuickBooks no longer sees that as a little opportunity. They see themselves foot in the door in the industry. And now they see the entire industry as something that they can potentially capture. Also, e-commerce, again, QuickBooks and Intuit, were not looking at e-commerce as an entire industry. They were looking at it as a sort of a, a type of customer. But now they're looking at all the potentialities of e-commerce together with marketing and email marketing with MailChimp. So now they looked at you know the possibilities of providing marketing services or marketing solutions, uh, e-commerce solutions, and banking solutions. So those three things primarily has just opened up their point of view or how big the addressable market is. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Canopy. Did you know that Canopy has a partnership with the IRS? This means that you can now use Canopy to pull your client transcripts. The integration is approved by the IRS and can be configured to automatically pull transcripts you can easily monitor if and when something changes. Now here's the best part. Once you have your client's transcripts, you can use Canopy's notices feature to help you resolve your client's notices. Canopy has a library of 350 plus pre-built federal and state notice templates that provide an overview of the notice type, as well as walk you through the recommended steps to resolution. And Canopy can even create and autofill your IRS response letters. Canopy also integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, Form Builders, Spreadsheets, Calendars, Email, and Zapier. They even have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. 
To get a demo of Canopy and to receive a $40 Amazon gift card, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-A-N-O-P-Y. Yeah, and if you scroll down to 20. Intuit strategy. Basically, it's a, gl- a picture of a globe, and it has pretty much what you'd argue is the three major business units of Intuit, and then all the interested parties. If Maybe the better word is stakeholders. Small businesses are stakeholders. Consumers are stakeholders. Self-employed are stakeholders, right? Accountants, um, developers, financial institutions, so you know banks, the mega platforms. So this is your Apple, your Googles, these, these companies that are way bigger than even Intuit, educational institutions, right? And governments. What I found was interesting about this, as far as like all the stakeholders, what used to be there in, historically for Intuit, one of the stakeholders at the table, part of the strategy was always shareholders, right? You, you, and, and in the olden days of Intuit, it was basically employees, shareholders, and customers. And then it's grown to like all these other interests. But it's, it's interesting that shareholders isn't even on this part of the strategy, which to some extent, if they just do everything that they want to do and shareholders are going to benefit from this, they don't have to be a part of the decision-making process as in their strategy, really. Shareholders will just get the benefits of the strategy. But I noticed that, that they weren't listed in the strategy anymore. Hmm. And then what else? Oh, 26 and 28 have some interesting numbers. Let me jump into there. Into its platform that powers prosperity. So this is kind of another slice of the similar data, but with more of the numbers. Uh-huh. Right. And they're they're viewing, you know, 10 million small businesses. And this is, I think, where they're at now. So 10 million small businesses, 93 million consumers. They're doing two trillion dollars in invoices. Mm-hmm. QuickBooks basically uh, per year. Um, and about 270 billion in payroll. So it's pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. Um, on that front. And then 28 had some other interesting numbers on it as well. Oh, so 23, so when you've talked about earlier about that slide, that like 312 billion was the total addressable market. They're really thinking about the core. So not not the ecosystem apps, right? But the core is about an $81 billion market. So they're looking at, you know, QuickBooks Online, the subs are up 11%. Uh, the ecosystem repute is up 34%. Online advanced, the subscriptions are up 40%. And this is what uh, Hector was talking about, like bigger businesses, power users in that post-desktop world can adopt, right, and use this. And the, the other one is TurboTax Live, 20% rising customers, 1 billion in revenue, 30% revenue growth. Like mm-hmm. they, when we've talked about this before on the show, with $1 billion in revenue, TurboTax or Intuit is a top 10 accounting firm. Right, because TurboTax Live is that offering where you can sign up for TurboTax, you pay a little extra, actually quite a bit extra, and uh, you then get access to a CPA or an enrolled agent inside of TurboTax who will help you complete your return. So it's this assisted experience. And at what point does that become an accounting firm? They may not call it one, but that's what it, it, it's becoming. Or it, it's it it's at least the online equivalent of an H&R Block or, uh, you know, one of those kind of retail tax prep shops. And if you really want to get a feel of everything into it's doing to do to win, like the whole entire company, go to slide 44. It's not going to okay. come through in the video too well because it's you probably need like a super gigantic monitor to oh, no. take in the screen. <laughs> this is like one of those uh, slides that we used to see at conferences. I think Doug Sleater used to put one of these up where it would be like every app in the QuickBooks Online ecosystem 
And at first it was easy because it was a few dozen and then it became hundreds and hundreds and then you couldn't read anything anymore because it was, it so was meaningless. So basically what the slide's doing, right? Here's all the, cons- the front end products, right? Is that dark green bar, right? This is your MailChimp, uh-huh. your QuickBooks, the TurboTaxes, all the QuickBooks products, Credit Karma, ProTax, right? The developer yeah. portals. That's kind of the front end facing applications. And then the next part is the capabilities that they enable, right? Tax filing, tax prep, uh, small business bookkeeping, payroll, right? Is the work, right? So it's work, finance, marketing, commerce, money, enterprise uh, expertise, right? And then it starts getting into that next layer of like customer growth, core capabilities, AI infrastructure, data. So it's basically the stack is it all it moves all the way down to like the developer environment and enterprise systems. Like, uh-huh. So this is essentially the architecture of Intuit. Yeah, I don't know. I, slides like this kind of just annoy me because it's like, oh, we're we're so great. We're going to do everything. They're just trying to impress people with well, like too much I think this is a slide about what we're going to do. Like this is what they are today, which is kind of, it just shows how big of a machine yeah. it is. So, so in other words, Intuit does a lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> is <laughs> what they're saying slide. Yes, to investors. Intuit, we do a lot of stuff. Yeah. A, lot, a big, huge poop emoji. We do a lot of this. <laughs> All right. 70. Slide 72. Too much. Too much <laughs> yeah. in my opinion sometimes, yeah. but yeah. Slide 72 is amazing because TechCrash, okay, this is the one. you speak to this because yeah. you sent us this slide. You had attended the the deck live, I think, that day, and you sent us this slide before they were even done. So so I'll describe this for our okay. listeners. So what we're seeing here is a uh, graph over time showing the breakdown of online, QuickBooks online customers and desktop customers. And it starts back in 2012 when it looks like desktop was twice as big as online. And then it proceeds through fiscal year 17, 2017, up to 2022. And the share of online paying customers just is on this um, exponential growth pattern, right? It's the, the line curving upward and to the right. And the, the blue shaded area represents all those customers. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And meanwhile, desktop is slowly declining to the point where it's now it looks like it's as as small as online was back in 2012. And online is 7.1 million customers while desktop is just 1 million customers. And they're, so, that, this is not just QBO either. This is like all their online products all wrapped up together. Um, okay, got it. Small business products anyway. So MailChimp. Got it, okay. That's why there's that, that big jump, the straight up and down line is because that's the MailChimp customers coming to that fold. Mm, I see. So that's all their online customers yeah. across all of their online products. Yeah. So so Hector, you're a big proponent of desktop. As you said at the beginning of the show, you wish Intuit would invest more in their desktop products, but it seems clear as an Intuit investor from that perspective, like you want the online to grow. You want Intuit to grow online. This to me doesn't look good for desktop. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. So where we stand today, according to the graph, is we have 7 million customers paying some sort of web platform product, right? So it could be QuickBooks Online Payroll, QuickBooks Online, and probably all the other MailChimp. options in the ecosystem, MailChimp, right? Maybe uh, QuickBooks Self-Employed. And then the, uh, the 1 million represents just QuickBooks Desktop, because I'm not sure what other software could be counting, if they're counting lesser tax desktop or something like that, but that's minuscule anyway. So very true. So I'm not a proponent of desktop. I just love when a tool helps me do my job efficiently. That's all mm-hmm. it is. And, and QuickBooks Desktop has done that so well for so long that I have nothing but love for it. And QuickBooks Online has done a great job at expanding the potential things that a user can do 
attached to their online product with integrations and additional services, but it is not as powerful as a tool to do my job as QuickBooks Desktop, which is why people think that I'm a proponent of desktop. I'm not. I will prefer to have all my clients in a cloud-based application. Our firm is 100% cloud. We have hybrid workers. I work from home. During COVID, we were more than ready you know, to serve our clients. So I'm not, in no way, shape, or form, I want people to downgrade to be stuck in a desktop environment. I just love QuickBooks Desktop because it's a great tool. That's all it is. It's really that simple. But um, there's, there's just not going to be a significant amount of innovation and investment coming into desktop. Into is very clear saying we're going to continue to support it, quote, as long as our customers continue to pay for it. And one of the interesting things about this is this year they raised the price to $550 per year for QuickBooks Desktop Pro to give you a general idea. Back in 2012, at the beginning of this graph, QuickBooks Desktop Pro was a $200 product that it was a lifetime license. Yeah. It was supported for three years. It was supported for three years, but you could do 90%, 95% of stuff past those three years. So fast forward to a world where the value proposition in desktop is just not there anymore. I, I know a lot of people want to go to the cloud, but most people go to the cloud because of the promise of efficiency and working mm -hmm. better, working faster, and avoiding redundancy. And some of us are still struggling to completely see all the tools, all the value that desktop had, but they're getting there. I, I've talked to enough people into it and, and product managers and, and just folks that are building QBO, and it's amazing the stuff that's coming down the pipe. So I'm very, very bullish on online. I'm bullish on where online is going. I want to embrace cloud and online. But like I said before, I just wish the pace of innovation was a little faster. Yeah. So this, this chart talks about like, so 16% of the year over year growth is just from customers migrating from desktop to QBO. So essentially in a decade, there's half as many QB desktop customers as there were a decade ago. Well, and, no, so I'm not sure if that's right, David, because I saw that too. And I wanted to bring that up. So it says 16% year-over-year -year growth in customers migrating from QuickBooks Desktop to QBO. So is that saying that like the number of users that move every year from desktop to QBO has increased 16%? Is that what it's saying? Or, the, or, six, or yeah, that's true. Or is it 16% of the growth is contribute is... I, I think it means that, mm -hmm. that, that more desktop customers every year are switching from desktop to online. So it's, so, it's, so it's going even faster than it's accelerating because 16% of the previous yeah. years, in the previous year, in the previous years, even more people switching over. Yeah. So then if you look at this chart, is it five years, six years? Like eventually it's going to be pretty close to 10,000. And now uh, years ago, I, uh, Matt Paff down in Australia, and he comes kind of a little bit more from the enterprise space in Australia. And he works in that, that, that end of the market. And he said, there's old desktop enterprise companies that they barely exist anymore, but they just charge a lot. Like it's almost like the peak oil, like nobody's ever going to pull out that last drip of oil out of the ground. Right, it's because kind of the, price the same will just type increase. of thing where people are just going to keep, they'll just keep raising the price, and these people right. that refuse to move will just pay the price. They might be paying thousand dollar a month subscription fees for QuickBooks Desktop one day. Who knows? So some well, more that, data that, points. Well, hold on, that, that ahead, happens Patrick. now, David. That happens now. QuickBooks yeah. Desktop Enterprise, uh, cloudified, you know, on a on a host on a Hosted. host mm -hmm. is is over a thousand dollars a month. Okay, well, then maybe uh, so, it'll be so there are companies paying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Well, but what I'm saying is that there is a still a, 
a really interesting, addressable, lower echelon of the mid-market, higher echelon of the small business, paying for QuickBooks desktop enterprise on the cloud. And this graph that shows number of users is not showing revenue because QuickBooks Online Advance is a $200 a month product, which is $2,400 per year. Math is right, yes. And QuickBooks Desktop Enterprise, 30 users, which is similar to what QuickBooks Online Advance has with 25 users, it's $9,000 per year. So even though the graph is, and this is why I communicated to you guys, the graph is showing a growth in number of businesses moving to the cloud. Is that showing how much money QuickBooks is making with the enterprise product no. that people still choose choose to re renew every right. year? Because you have to renew every year. They choose to renew it. They choose that over going to QBO. They choose that over you know, going to NetSuite. So there's a lot of satisfied QuickBooks enterprise customers, which is the bulk of the customers I serve. Yeah. And I imagine they'll keep the they'll keep raising the prices, right? To where the revenue for, from QuickBooks Desktop, from a contribution margin to Intuit, is probably going to stay the same, but the the number of users is going to keep going down. They're just going to keep raising the prices. Well, and that's that's what Hector was just saying with Pro. Yeah. It's it's basically factoring in inflation more than double the cost it used to be ten years ago. They've doubled the price for the same product, right? In in ten years, and maybe double plus annual subscription. So it's right. not just it's double entry point. Oh, wow. annual subscription. So that's like triple, really, if you upgrade, yeah, say, it's every quadruple. three years. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's or, a lot. Or, yeah. So doubled and then tripled. Um, yeah. So so some more data points from here on the slide. 80% of their total revenue now is subscription-based. That's a humongous shift. More than 80% of new QuickBooks subscribers choose online over desktop. We mentioned the 16% year-over-year growth in customers migrating from desktop to QBO. Only 12% of customers remain on QuickBooks Desktop versus 68% 10 years ago. 100% of desktop sales are now a subscription. So even though they're still selling desktop software, it's all subscription-based. So it's just, it's really incredible. I wish they broke out the revenue numbers. They stopped doing that at a certain point. And it's just, this is one of those things where I like, I like to complain about accounting standards. Why don't we have an accounting standard that says you got to break out your revenue by online and, you know, or subscription and like, like, this would be much more useful information than knowing customer numbers, right? I think they actually like, do. I don't know where in fact I thought I thought they reported the revenue from Kruppers Desktop versus revenue from Kruppers Online. I think they typically. If you do can that. find it, I would love to know what they it just is because I would answer this exact question. Numbers anymore of how many they added each quarter like they used to because I think oh, okay. it's, it's hard to uh, if you're ha if few quarters though they had three hundred thousand coming on a quarter on Kruppers Online. Yeah. So then if you come out and say we only had a hundred thousand, it, it's still an impressive number, but it's not as impressive. And I think they pulled back on some of those numbers. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Giraffe. Are you still using Excel to create budgets, clash flow forecasts, revenue models, or hiring plans for your fast-growing or mid-to-large-sized clients? Giraffe is an all-in-one financial planning and analysis solution that maximizes the collaborative value of forecasting, budgeting, reporting, and analytics, giving you and your clients the confidence and speed needed to drive their business forward. The best part of Giraffe is that it eliminates the constant rework that your team or clients must do every time data or variables change. Need to adjust projections based on hiring two more employees? Just connect your payroll app to Giraffe and your numbers are updated. Need to account for marketing and spend changes? The impact of new leads or upcoming deals? Just connect Giraffe to your CRM. And of course, Giraffe connects to all the cloud accounting systems you love, including QuickBooks, Xero, NetSuite, and Intact. Drav knows that firms that offer advisory services that include budgeting, forecasting, and FP&A are 34% more profitable. 
That is why Giraffe has an accounting firm partner program that guides you step-by-step through the process of adding FP&A to your firm. If you're ready to become an accounting firm partner with Giraffe, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash giraffe. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash J-I-R-A-V. Plan smarter, faster, and together with Giraffe. I'd say jump to slide 78 to talk about QuickBridge Live for a little bit. Yes. And then we I want to play that clip. So let me know when I should play that clip about uh, TurboTax Live. Well, we'll go um, after this because the last slide I have is slide 93, which is a little bit more about TurboTax market share. And then we can- Perfect. Yeah, I think that, that clip makes sense. So QuickBooks Live, essentially they're viewing this as it's, it's another $28 billion bookkeeping category. They're basing it off of two major things. 40% of small business owners say the worst part of owning a business is the bookkeeping and taxes. And then they have another proof point, which is essentially 30%, 33% of accounting firms say growing their business is hard, right? Growing yeah. their own firm is hard. And so there's this scale thing. If, if the demand's there and the accounting firms can't keep up, into yeah. it's like there's $28 billion just sitting there for the taking. Yeah. So that's, that's a, I've never heard this stat before. 40% of small and medium businesses say that bookkeeping and taxes are the worst part of owning a business. The worst part. I does that does that go does that say something about the uh, <laughs> does that say something about how we're serving them as accountants and bookkeepers? <laughs> like that they say it's the worst part about owning a business, or is that just the nature of bookkeeping and tax and accounting? That's sort of a rhetorical question, but feel free to answer if you have an opinion. My, uh, my, my opinion is it depends whether you ask one one that has an outsourced accountant and one that doesn't. Because if I was a business owner and I didn't have the help and I had to do it all myself, then of course I would think this is the worst. But if I had already mentalized myself that I will part away with 500 bucks a month or whatever to have this thing outsourced to a professional, my feelings towards it would be a lot different, I think. And also to throw tax in there, it's a little bit unfair because bookkeeping and tax are two different things. Bookkeeping is organizing your books so you understand where your business is, and tax is this shore where I have to give my money to the government. So to to bundle up whether you love taxes as a business owner and bookkeeping and put it in the same stat, it's a little bit misleading, in my it, opinion. It is, but for a small business owner, it's all the same. This is where we get as accountants and bookkeepers, like, well, that's bookkeeping and that's tax. For the small business owner, it's all the same. Like, it's, right, it's, it's all the same. Most um, small but, business owners only do bookkeeping to do their taxes. They would not do bookkeeping if they didn't have to do it to do their taxes. And I think that's the segment that Intuit is going to capture. And to reinforce Hector's point, though, about the people that have maybe a pro-advisor or working with a professional, right, they're going to be the other 60%. But this goes to what Intuit said for a long time. 40% of the QuickBooks Online users aren't working with anybody. They're just out there by themselves. Yeah. 38% are the exact number is. So this makes sense, right? Like yeah. the people that have our listeners helping them run their business, they don't think that's the worst part of their business. But if you're doing it on your own, which those are the people not listening to this podcast, those small business owners, like this is why you're struggling. Yeah. You need to find a Hector, right? We should make shirts that say that. Go find Hector. <laughs> with, with QuickBooks Live, Intuit plugs that gap. They're filling that enormous gap between people who need help and uh, accountants who want to help them, but struggle to grow their own business and find those clients. And I do, do want to add something yeah. about QuickBooks Live because I think it's important to keep in mind, and this is all speculation, but it's one of those things that you don't know if it's true, but I know it's true. I don't think Intuit has made any money 
from QuickBooks Live. Like if you actually were to do a PL, and I know this is sacrilege, you know, from the stuff that Ron Baker teaches about um about systems thinking and that sort of thing. But you know, if you were to separate QuickBooks Live as its own bookkeeping business, there's no way that they're making a dime. So I'd what's agree. happening really? is but, the, yeah, but isn't well, it a billion dollar? Well, TurboTax Live is a billion dollars now. Do we know what QuickBooks Live is in terms of revenue? Do they break that out, David? I don't think I saw that broke out. But but here's where yeah. I would agree with that: is that this goes to what they announced in their their earnings report and the conference call, how they kind of until they actually get good and innovate on the product, they can't really grow it and make it profitable. And they're still they're in what year three of QuickBooks Live. It's still young. It's going to be five six years before it becomes a machine that's profitable, right? So I agree with Hector on that thing. But I also think and, and, and David, my, my conspiracy theory is that QuickBooks Live is not being built to try to build a huge accounting firm. QuickBooks Live is the platform that QuickBooks is building so they can learn what humans do and they can use machines to do that work. They're going to have to. They're going to observe bookkeepers, internal and external, with metadata, specific data, whatever you want to call it. They observe how we be, how people behave and react with transactions, how they classify, how we classify. I think what Intuit is doing is they have a learning mechanism for the judgment pieces that the humans are doing, and eventually they're going to program that into the code to make their QuickBooks online app more, quote-unquote, automated. And this is not like an evil way to take over the industry. They're just trying to make the software better. And the way you make software better is to watch humans do it and and do the, you know, get frustrated with it and then annotate what's frustrating you. Can we automate this with an app? Can we automate this with a function? Can we automate this with a trigger? So what I think QuickBooks Live ultimately is, it is the lab, you know, is the Google X Mm -hmm. testing ground for the AI of the future where QuickBooks Online is going to be a much, much more streamlined tool where the bookkeeper and the accountant is going to be doing a lot less of the minutia and much more of the judgment work. So the little by little looking at what we do day to day, bookkeepers, and try to figure out what are the little things that we can take away. And this has been happening okay, with bank feeds, with automatic categorization, with bank rules. Bookkeepers are not noticing that this is happening because it's happening so slow kind of like the frog, you know, with the boiling water. It's happening so slow where all these little tiny improvements are coming to QuickBooks Online. And because they're not sudden, they're not realizing how yep. much better their lives are by using QuickBooks Online or whatever, you know, yep. many cloud platforms as well. It's, it's I agree that. with you, Hector. I agree with you, Hector, that, uh, that Intuit's going to learn a lot from QuickBooks Live and improve their product with it. But I really do believe that at $200 a month, at volume, at scale, with the capacity that they can build by just having people on demand on their platform, they can make a lot of money, a lot. David did the math at one point on one of our shows, maybe it was episode 200 or something, it was a long time ago, and we figured out that they could have just an incredible amount of revenue uh, from the millions of small businesses that aren't being served by bookkeepers today and are doing it themselves, but would happily pay $200 a month. And the, the, The QuickBooks Live bookkeepers are getting paid 35 bucks an hour plus benefits in some cases. And and just by doing simple math, I know the cost plus is another sacrilege to do here, but but by, by simple math, I don't think the average bookkeeper is spending less than five hours per account. So when you start doing the math on what it costs, not just to have the employees, 
just to the infrastructure, the systems, the managers, the supervisors, quality control, customer service, it's very difficult to make any money with it. So I think that $200 might be a subsidized rate for the learning part. And if they do increase it to five, six, seven, eight, there's the profit. Yeah. Well, they have the whole ecosystem. That's the difference. This is the advantage that Intuit has versus a, like, you cannot do your own bookkeeping company for $200 a month. You just can't. Intuit can because they can sell you MailChimp. They can sell you payroll. They can sell you all these other things that you can't sell them as an account or bookkeeper. And that's, yeah. you're right, it's a little bit subsidized. But I, I do agree with Hector. Like This is helping Intuit. Because they own a bookkeeping firm, they're learning bookkeeping problems and they're going to solve bookkeeping problems, which really benefits everybody eventually, right? We all get the benefits of that. Some data points from this slide that are important to point out, 55% subscriber growth, sorry, an increase of 55% in subscriber growth as a result of improved service delivery that they are claiming. They also are saying that they had a 1.5 times increase in books done on time. So they are learning. They are learning how to do this. And I, you know where I think they're going to find success is, and I don't know how, I don't know exactly what their promises that they make to customers. I don't think that for $200 a month though, you're getting like, you're getting like I, a, a promise, like I'm going to reconcile all your accounts for you every month. What they're getting is I'm going to help you reconcile your accounts and I'm on demand. So if they do it as an on-demand kind of subscription where you get help when you need it, then I think they can make a lot of money because it's just a matter of capacity. Like Hector, you love Ron Baker. I love Ron Baker. He's all about building capacity in accounting firms and selling capacity. I wonder how many people don't even use it. It's like a gym membership, right? Like right. you buy it, sounds exciting. Then you never hit the live button and talk to anybody. You're just going along. Yeah. Because I don't think you they're know, proactively you know, like, reaching out to you, right, Hector? Is no, you have to reach out to them. No. Yeah. Right. And and, uh, and the, the other thing that, that that makes me think of QuickBooks Live is the hardest thing about this business, about the accounting software business, and David, you probably know this firsthand, is it's very difficult for the customer to know the difference between a glitch with the system and a glitch with their way they're doing their accounting. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, like understanding the difference between software errors and user errors, it is such a blurred line. So when somebody calls QuickBooks for support, 99% of cases, there's a problem with the way they inputted the data. There's not a problem with the actual system. Like most people, when they, and I talk to people saying, hey, I couldn't reconcile my account and QuickBooks was no help. Well, QuickBooks is not there to help you reconcile your account. They're, here to, they're there to make sure that the software has all the buttons working correctly. You need to know which button to press in what circumstance. So that blurred line creates a lot of consternation between the software company and the user. And what QuickBooks Live really is, is the way to unblur that line in disguise of a service. So what they've done is they essentially increase the cost of the software in such a way that now they can afford more people with field level experience to assist their customers. So QuickBooks Live ultimately is a desired price that Intuit wants to charge for their software by having the desired talent to support their customers to meet all their expectations. That's the really interesting part that, or, or like the vision of QuickBooks Live, assuming that that's part of it. But that's the way I like to see it because if I were to see Intuit as my competitor, it'll make it very difficult for me to, to be partners with them as an accountant myself. So I, think, I don't think QuickBooks Live long-term, again, I'm not apologizing for them. If they are, you know, five years from now, you could tell me I was wrong. I don't think that they're trying to build an accounting firm. They're trying to build a, a world-class accounting software that has 
talented people on staff that can answer every question, whether it's a software glitch or a user glitch. And if they get to that level, then all of a sudden the accounting software does become a little bit of the replacement of what the traditional bookkeeper was. And the traditional bookkeeper now has to figure out how to serve their customers in different, yeah. more creative ways and more valuable ways. Because trust me, no one hires a bookkeeper because they value how great they are at data entry, right? They hire the bookkeeper to take away the shore and hope that the bookkeeper's point of view as a third party watching the whole thing brings into light important information that they need or, or to support this gut feeling decisions that the small business owners use every day. So again, most people are not excited about hiring a data entry person. They want to hire someone that can provide insights and take away the minutia mm -hmm. away from mm -hmm. them. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Zoho. I'm sure you've heard of Zoho before. We've probably even mentioned Zoho CRM or Zoho Books on this podcast in the past. But do you really know about Zoho? Did you know that Zoho offers an entire suite of solutions to run your firm, including a CRM, expense tracking, bookkeeping, a full office suite, a support ticket system, and workflow automation? Did you know that Zoho offers a suite of solutions for your clients' bookkeeping, including bookkeeping, inventory, invoicing, subscription management, and a checkout app? Did you know that Zoho has an accountants program? Did you know that Zoho advisors get free access to eight Zoho applications and a dedicated account manager? If you want to learn more about becoming a Zoho advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Zoho. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Z-O-H-O. So, so I like how you talked about competing with a, an accounting firm. So slide 93 really kind of shows, especially on the tax side, that Intuit is not taking away business from accounting firms on the tax side. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, so this see. is a 10-year chart of how many tax returns are filed with the IRS, right? And uh, 2012, it was 146 million, and now it's 163 million. And it breaks down how much, how many, what percentage of those returns are done by a, a CPA or professional, how what are done by tax stores, how much is done by TurboTax, other DIY products, and then manual. Um, manual basically has gone from 8% of all, these are manual paper <laughs> returns down to 1%. Right? Filed with pen 18%. and paper. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, very bo bottom. Yeah. But if you really look at this graph, CPAs and tax pros are actually, that's grown over the last decade. The Slightly. thing that's not growing is tax stores and manual. And that's where TurboTax growth is over this last yeah. decade, is they're taking market share away from the tax stores. They're not taking yeah, so away from true CPAs. H&R yeah. Block, Liberty Tax, those kind of places, they've lost yeah. 2%. The CPAs or professionals have grown 0.6%. And TurboTax has grown the most, 4.3%. Actually, the other DIYs also, 3.1%. That whole market, 7.4% DIY software, has it's grown 7.4% in a decade. It's amazing. Manual, the paper people yeah. dropped 18%. So, it's, yeah. so they're, they're taking it from the manual paper people and the tax stores. Well, so here's the thing, though, David. Once TurboTax has eaten all of the returns from those tax stores, where are they going to go next to grow? Well, yeah, they're, they're right. and that's, that, they're, they're, if they're looking and that, at that, yeah. And that brings us to, can I play the clip now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this was a clip, uh, Intuit did a bunch of videos as part of their investor day, not just a presentation. And thank you to Jason Stats for featuring this clip in his newsletter. And uh, Laurel and Wilson 
for tweeting it out, and that's how I saw it. So let's play the clip. Now, let's talk about how we're expanding the platform into new verticals. Soon, TurboTax will support business taxes for partnerships and S-Corp federal returns with both a do-it-with-me and full-service model, solving a pain point for our small business customers and expanding our assisted tax TAM from $21 billion to $31 billion. Because we leverage capabilities across the Intuit platform, from our professional tax business, QuickBooks Live expertise, and our virtual expert platform, we were able to create a full-service business tax solution in a matter of months rather than the years it took to launch our first live offering. Now, the experience for business tax is almost identical to what you just saw with TurboTax Live full service. But let's take a look at the collaboration experience, this time from our expert's perspective. Once an expert receives a new customer, they'll receive all the documents that the business provided. When reviewing the documents, the expert can see new building improvements were made, which could result in a credit. The expert can easily send a message requesting any additional information. Once they get the information, they can confirm the customer qualifies for the credit and finish filing right within the virtual expert platform. These are just two examples of a series of live offerings that exist today. Revenue with TurboTax Live reached $1 billion in fiscal 2022, up 30% year over year. The opportunity ahead is large with a $21 billion assisted tax preparation market for individual returns and a $10 billion business tax market. We're just getting started. Thank you. So $10 billion business tax market. And what you just heard there is that TurboTax and TurboTax Live are getting into S-Corp and partnership filings. That's huge because until now, last time I checked, which was just earlier this year, there has not been a good DIY option for business tax returns. And so if you own an S-Corp, if you have an LLC, you need to file a partnership return, you've pretty much had to go to a pro. And now there's going to be a DIY option. And that, I think, could chip away at those returns that are being filed by pros. That could be a true competitive I threat. might do my S-Corp with it, frankly. Yeah. To me, I, I view it as the same. I'm typing the same crap. I would have to type into TurboTax S-Corp product that I type into some portal. It's the same stuff. So if I'm going to type all this into a portal, I must just type it in TurboTax and be done. As a, as a tax preparer, as, as a bona fide uh, person that understands how to do business returns, I can tell you two things. One, I would say about half of my clients don't need me. Like they can go to TurboTax, they can go to DIY. They just they just afraid to screw it up. And this whole Agreed. afraid to screw it up concept is something that Intuit will capitalize on it, especially if they offer the return and a guarantee, audit guarantee or something like that. The minute a big company slaps that, hey, you know, if you get audited, we'll represent you type of thing, that's gonna really, really big time chip away from the accountants. But at the same time, at the same time, honestly, even though a lot of my revenue comes from these returns that I shouldn't be doing, and I, I'm basically stuck doing them because the customer doesn't wanna lift a finger, that's, that's time that I wish I was spending helping them do other things like 
finding more clients or increasing their prices or improving the quality of the service offering or innovating their business model. There's so much, so much time we spend and, and depend on that revenue for our practices that we forget how great it would be a world where accountants don't do taxes, a world where accountants don't do bookkeeping, where we're actually being paid for our knowledge, not for our finger uh, or, or our, our, key, our keystroke skills. So like, like David says, a lot of these things are basically just moving keystrokes that were already entered in QBO into the tax software. Yes, there's some important things like, you know, bases and, you know, special depreciation and are you, are you paying the owner enough salary? I mean, there are things that accountants know, tax law related, that the business owner won't know. But the bulk of that work, it's minutia. It's data entry. Yeah. It's moving numbers from one side to the other. And that needs to stop. So, so as a firm owner, Victor, do you see kind of a, a great... So right now there's QuickBooks Live or TurboTax Live. And I'm working with a professional that works for Intuit. But almost a version where it's like I get some help from my accountant. So instead of having Pro Series and all these other professional tools, CCH, and all these tools you use as, as a professional accountant... I'm doing the majority of the data instead of using these portals. I'm doing a lot of work, the legwork for you, the minutia, the typing stuff in into a TurboTax level product. It's like TurboTax with my accountant. It's like a, a big heart, you know, or something like that. And then you come in and finish, wrap up the return. Do you, would you as a professional, is that something that interests you? Or is that like, or am I just nuts? Yes. It, it interests me the way a, a micro robot doing surgery in a part of the body that a human being can't access, interests a, a neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon looks at these surgical robots as a tool to cure the patient. They don't look at them as, oh, that, that machine is going to take my job. And I think the problem that we have as accountants, as a firm owners, is that we see all these great tools and enhancements that, yes, they're marketed as a service and they're marketed as a replacement to our services. True. And it is chipping away at our, at our revenue. True, that's all true. But we got to start seeing these things as tools to be able to help the patient at the end. So for Intuit to win, or any software company to win with these tools, they have to have a cohesive partnership strategy where the tools are available to the customer and they also have open windows for the consultant to collaborate. Because when you can do that, when you can enable, if somehow TurboTax Live Open, opened it up for a CPA that's on the accountant on the accountant side. Sorry, the customer side, the customer's ally, right? Well, they have to log in and see what TurboTax Live is doing and collaborate with TurboTax. No, that doesn't happen now. Well, no, TurboTax I mean, you, if you wanna if you wanna collaborate with clients on TurboTax filings, you just sign up as a CPA or an EA for TurboTax no, Live, and that, you that, get paid by that, into it thirty five dollars no, no, an I'm, hour. I'm not, I'm not talking about being I'm not talking about being an Uber driver for Intuit. Well, that's okay? what they want to build, talking, right? But but they could build that all day long. But I can build relationships with customers in the ground that Intuit can. I can do it in social media. I can do it in YouTube. I can do it locally in our chamber of commerce. And what I want is for Intuit to aggressively market. I don't care. They aggressively market a DIY service, but give me a gateway to collaborate with you, so I can be on your side of this. The problem is that they're building these live products as a replacement of the accountant instead of as a, uh, a, a something that they can use in conjunction with the accountant. And, and th this is the flaw that QuickBooks Live had when it was released, is that it was released almost, almost 
hidden from the accountant's view. You know, like accountants found out about this and they felt so heartbroken by this. Instead of Intuit saying, hey, here's QuickBooks Live and here's a strategy of how you can collaborate with us in QuickBooks Live via revenue sharing, via access to their tools, whatever it happens to be. So that's the problem that the software company that has been our partner for so long they puts out these services, which are great. I think they're, they're awesome. Great alternatives, great service, and great sources of innovation for the company and the software. But they're never presented as something that can coexist with the accountants. They say you can coexist because this customer will never talk to you, but that's not true. Okay, What's true is this customer, the, the, the live customers and the, and the firm customers will virtually will eventually converge. And it's in that conversion that accountants and professionals want to feel that the software companies have their back and they need to open up these tools and mechanisms for us to work together. Yeah, and just some outside of Intuit data point on this, because um, ultimately, and we've talked about this, where this is Uber's problem and all these other companies' problems, they can't just be an engineering company because there's people involved. It's a service company. It's a service offering. And for Intuit to do this, they can't engineer this. They have to have people involved and lots of accountants and bookkeepers, either as employees and as you know partners. But there's a review on Glassdoor. Um, hopefully, a lot of our listeners know what Glassdoor is. Glassdoor is like an anonymous rate your employer site. So if Hector has maybe a bookkeeper that works for him and he or she's not happy, she could go out there and Write a review about Hector as a manager or boss type of a thing, right? That's or big... or if she loves working for Hector, yes, she could do then... a five star review as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this is a uh, a review that was um, somebody forwarded to me. It was from September twenty sixth. It is a software engineer at Pilot. So Pilot is the QuickBooks lifestyle competitor. Jeff Bezos invested in them, et cetera. And, and mind you, this is a kind of a disgruntled possibly employee. Right, he's recommending that you don't work there as an engineer, but there are a couple nuggets that he he or she said in this this article here, and some of the nuggets that were in here is very blatantly sentence. This is not an engineering led organization; it is a service oriented one. And then another sentence: Despite being a four hundred plus company, engineering maybe accounts for about thirty of those employees. Right, so here's this this thing, right? Like, oh. We're gonna we're gonna automate bookkeeper. We're gonna automate accounting. That's what everybody wants to do, right? And mm-hmm. the reality is, it's they have hundreds and hundreds of employees basically doing manual work for small business clients to some extent. And then the other other sentence is that this person says it's not clear to me if the founders actually want to be a tech company or an accounting firm, right? It's starting to sound like it's really hard to do both <laughs> a little bit. Hey, David, you predicted this. I remember when the whole bookkeeper fiasco came out and you said more and more companies are going to say they're going to automate an AI and it's just a bunch of people in the background trying to do it, you know, as fast as possible. Meanwhile, they bridge up to the point where they get the actual tech that automates these things. Well, I think it's a lot easier for a software company like Intuit to add services because they can build rails around the services that are delivered through their software. And so really people just become another app in your app stack and you are essentially programming them. And we see this with Amazon. Amazon workers and UPS workers are driven by apps and metrics and they are essentially programmed these days. And that's what the QuickBooks Live offering is gonna be. That's what TurboTax Live is. They make it so easy to, to provide the service. We know doing it ourselves, quick, you know, providing bookkeeping services, providing tax services, it is really hard 
to stay on top of everything, to get everything you need to serve customers. There's so much going on, even with a simple engagement where it's something that somebody could do with TurboTax themselves. It's really hard, but a software company can get rid of most of that by creating defined systematic processes. So I think Intuit, because of that, is going to gobble up the low end of the market. If you are providing bookkeeping services for under $500 a month for a client, or if you are doing tax returns for, say, under $1,000 for a client, Intuit is going to be more competitive. They're going to be able to charge a lower price, provide a better service, simply because they have the tech. Just like if you're a small store selling online, it's really hard to compete with Amazon. And you end up putting your stuff on Amazon because that's the easiest way to get it out and deliver that two-day experience to your customers. So speaking of having the tech, did you see that Cabbage filed for bankruptcy? Cabbage filed for bankruptcy? Yeah. Really? The, uh, it's their, they remember the American Express bought them but didn't buy the PPP loan servicing part of the business? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and we've talked about this before that um, the amount of, they processed almost the most PPP loans, like $7 billion worth, right? Yeah. Um, as far as the tech companies go, but a huge higher percentage are fraudulent, right? And so essentially, oh. they, they, they're, it's falling apart. But that's a company that supposedly, Blake, had all the tech. They had all the tech. They had all the data, right? Wait, so, so this is amazing. This is like, this is PPP fraud. I don't even know how to categorize this. So Cabbage made a ton of money facilitating fraudulent PPP loans they then got an incredible valuation, sold to American Express. They did not buy the PPP carved part. Out, yep. Carved out that liability into its own company. And so I'm sure all those cabbage executives just escaped with, you know, all the money. And now now whoever's, you know, now that cabbage entity that owns all those PPP loans that were fraudulent is just going to go under. It's kind of genius. <laughs> I mean, in an evil way, right? Evil genius kind of way. That's so, amazing. And then another committee that has a lot of technology is another app kind of related article that is in relation to all of this, right? So QuickBooks Online has their self-employed product. And in theory, that's for all the gig workers, the DoorDashes, the Ubers, et cetera. Uber just announced that they are launching here in the US market a debit card slash checking account. So they're partnering with a company called branchapp.com. And so now in the Uber app, your driver's app, right? Your, your full-blown stack, you have your income being reported. You have your tips being tracked. Now you have expense side. What did I spend on gas? What did I spend on insurance? All these things going through your checking account and they have a cash flow and reports. So if you think about it, if you're an Uber driver, you're never going to use QuickBooks Online Self-Employed for somebody like Intuit, right? What's the point? Right? And so yeah. like the like, this is why Intuit has to go after this bigger market share because people are going after Intuit at the same time, right? It's being cut at a different, that we talked about this last week, two other companies outside of this space are offering bookkeeping services, right? Intuit's going to compete because people are coming after Intuit. Maybe it's a way to think about that. So we only have a few minutes left. It's about time to wrap it up. Hector, I want to talk about a new project that you and I are collaborating on with Avalara. We are going to be doing, I think it's an eight-part series called The Focused Firm, and it starts in two weeks. We're doing it. The first one is going to be October 21st. And did we pick a time? I can't remember if we picked a time yet. 12, 
It might be on right after the Cloud Accounting Podcast, 12.30 yeah, it was two, Pacific. Yeah, it was 2.30 Eastern. Okay. 2.30 Eastern. Hopefully you so, don't overlap. This would be a mess. <laughs> well, no, we're going to have a hard stop with the Cloud Accounting Podcast because okay. then I'm going to go over and get on with Hector. And we're going to do this new series called Focus Firm. And it's going to be uh, released as a podcast, as YouTube videos. We are going to allow people to join live and ask questions. Hector, tell us about what this series is going to be. Yeah, so so I've a lot of reached out to us and said, can we do something different that's a, a sort of a service to the accounting professional community? Um, Hector, can you, you know, come up with something interesting? And, and I, I've done this course called the Focus Practice uh, Workshop, which is a private course I do for like four or five people at a time. They pay thousands of dollars and we do this sort of live coaching for a couple of weeks. I kind of help them, you know, uh, get to the next level, right? Um, but we do it in a hands-on, one-on-one fashion. So I took a lot of the content from this, and I, I'm rewriting it into a podcast. And we're doing a mini-series. So imagine you know, you got eight little books, right, that, that, that tell you how Hector runs his firm or how Hector looks at uh, accounting and how, how, um, how I've seen what works and what doesn't work from my perspective. And also Blake is going to be able to chime in. So we're going to talk about pricing. We're going to talk about employee retention. We're going to talk about branding. We're going to talk about tech stack. It's basically like MBA in a box for accounting professionals from my perspective, from my very skewed, weird world uh, perspective. But instead of an MBA, can I get CPE credit for this? Yes, you can. Download the Earmark CPE app on the Apple App Store or the Android Google Play Store. Uh, we're going to turn these live streams into CPE courses, free CPE courses. So uh, you'll be able to get accounting CPE and learn from Hector his his best practices for how to build a modern firm. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing this with you, Hector. I think that's it. David, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on all the socials, just at David Leary. I am at Blake T. Oliver. And Hector, where should people follow you? HectorGarcia.com. Thanks, everyone, who joined today. Great to have you in the chat. Great to see you. And if you want to get notified of future Cloud Accounting Podcast live streams, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Search for Cloud Accounting Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and then you'll get notified when we go live. Bye, everybody. Time for the classifieds. Are you still paying 1% for ACH to receive money from your customers? With Ucollect, you can pay as little as 30 cents per transaction. Ucollect has a two-way sync to both Zero and QuickBooks Online and gives you the features that the accounting systems lack, like installment plans, secure automatic payment setup invitations, automatic receipts, and allows access to other credit card merchant providers beyond the ones that come with the accounting system, giving you more control over the service fees that you pay. For more information and a 30-day free trial, go to ucollect.biz slash C-A-P. That's ucollect.biz slash C-A-P. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor, 
or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.